If you have ever found yourself victim to a late night binge eating episode or perhaps um, struggled with body shame, a poor body image, or any type of disordered eating, you are definitely going to want to listen to this episode. I sat down with Jocelyn and we talked about her journey through sort of years of disordered eating and an unhealthy relationship with her body and how she has overcome that, but also how she helps women to overcome that as well. We talked about sort of the vicious circle of the body shame cycle and really how to get yourself out of that. Jocelyn is just a wealth of knowledge and she provided us with some amazing um, just words of wisdom. And if you're feeling like right now food has control over you or you look in the mirror and you just are not happy with what you see looking back at you, you definitely want to tune into today's episode. All right, ladies, welcome back to the Fit to Be a Mama podcast. So I am sitting here with Jocelyn Resnick, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we've spent the first you know, few minutes here before we pressed record, and I can tell that we are very much on the same page and sort of have the same mindset about things. So I'm really looking forward to where this conversation is going to go. But before we do dive in... Um, First of all, Jocelyn, I would love to hear what does your current morning routine look like? (laughs) That's such a great question. (laughs) Um, What does my current morning routine look like? Well, because I am working for myself, I let myself sleep, especially now with the pandemic and with everything going on is I usually let myself sleep and kind of roll out of bed around 830, nine o'clock. And then I, you know, brush my teeth, wash my face, eat breakfast. Um, And I I really like to do a lot of reflection in the morning Mm -hmm. and kind of just reflect on where I'm at, where I'm going. I think this is like, I'm a coach, so I'm always kind of in that mode and then go about my day. And that my day looks different um, depending on what's going on in my business. I think with the pandemic, it's all virtual for the most part. So yeah. Awesome. Pretty I love simple. It. Yeah. Pretty and simple. just having like that flexibility, sort of do what you want and make your morning routine work for you. So I love it. Okay. Tell us in a nutshell, like who is Jocelyn? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. You're welcome. Um, so I work with mission-driven women, so activists, change makers, trailblazers, who want to create massive impact in the world doing what they love the most. And mm-hmm. typically these women are very burnt out, exhausted, overwhelmed, and they want to get their energy back and connect to their desire, connect with their intuition and their wisdom, and really create something tangible out of that. So I'm a life coach. Um, I do embodied movement workshops. I do one-on-one coaching, master classes. I have my own podcast. And it's all about just empowering others to really connect into their heart's desire and then to go out and change the world. And everybody's heart's desire and purpose is going to be different because we are all different. We all have different souls, um, different purpose. So it, it varies based on the person. So how did I 
get here. Um, so when I was in high school, I struggled with an eating disorder. And who knew that the eating disorder was actually going to turn into my entire career and life path. But I struggled with an eating disorder. I was obsessive about calories, fat grams, my weight, my body, and making sure that everything that I ate was perfect and like, quote unquote, clean. Mm -hmm. um, and what ended up happening was I had done this to lose weight and get healthy, but it really just overtook my whole life. And how, I can was, I ask how old you were when you oh, started yeah. it? I was 14 okay. at the time. I had gained a little bit of weight. Looking back, it was adolescence, um, but it was too much, quote unquote, too much. Um, and so I panicked. And so I went on a diet and my whole life became about calories and fat grams. And mm -hmm. what happened was like, this was supposed to be for health, but I lost my menstrual cycle. I had low bone mineral density. Like I wasn't engaging in social activities. And I went to the doctor, they didn't really know what was wrong with me. And I finally got so fed up. So I did a 180 and I went from like obsessive restricting to obsessive binging. Mm. And, and then it was a willpower issue. And I like, no matter how hard I tried, I didn't have enough willpower. And so this became like a pattern through my adolescent life. So high school into college. And when I got to college, I took a nutrition class as an elective. And I had avoided nutrition and talking about food because it was so overwhelming, but I finally took a nutrition class and the professor for that class started to teach nutrition from a place of self-compassion and self-love. Um, as we you know, eat to nourish the body, we move because our bodies crave physical activity and movement. So I, I started working with her and then I did a nutrition and fitness internship my senior year of college and I was doing more health promotion and education so I was taking everything that I learned in my story and educating other college students and I found this passion for eating disorder awareness mm -hmm. through the work like that was the one topic area that excited me the most so I was doing this in college I was so lit up so excited about it like finally found that like inner spark um, and then graduation happened and I panicked <laughs> Like, oh my God, it's all ending. And I decided to get my master's degree in public health. And I took all of this and I moved down to Washington, DC. And I started doing the same work, but on more of a national level. So I got involved in policy. I started coordinating the National Eating Disorders Association walk. I was lobbying and advocating for eating disorder legislation on Capitol Hill. And I really, my whole master's theme was based around like, helping women heal their relationship with food and body shame. Mm -hmm. And I think like eating disorders will impact 30 million people at some point in their lives, which is a huge um, percent of the population. But I found that there are so many more women that are struggling with just like body shame because of the culture that we live in. So it's such a massive problem. So just fast forward a little bit after I finished graduate school, I moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was working full time as a health educator and um, paper it was the perfect job, but the work environment was very toxic and I found myself in therapy and it was actually the first time I was doing therapy to address my underlying like food issues because there's such a lack of knowledge around that topic in the health world. Um, so I was finally doing that work and I finally had a therapist say to me, I think you have some trauma. 
And I said, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have trauma. How could I have trauma? Like I had this normal upbringing in the suburbs of New York city. Um, how could I have trauma? And she said, I think you have trauma. Like, why don't we try like some somatic based therapy? Um, and I trusted her, even though I didn't believe that I had trauma and she got me into somatic healing and EMDR, which was absolutely incredible. And I left my job in Atlanta. I moved back home to New York where I'm originally from. And I got into coaching, into the coaching space. And I started taking like all of these things that I was passionate about and lit me up and started to turn it into my career mm-hmm. of like, how can I help other women heal their relationship with their bodies so that they can do what they love? And, you know, fast forward, I started working with a coach named Dr. Valerie Rain, and she studies like the patriarchal impact um, of trauma on women and started realizing that a lot of the things that I had anxiety about were coming from like this patriarchal culture of not good enough, not smart enough. I can't trust myself. Like others are better than me. And then I had all of these coping mechanisms that went along with that. So I was working with her and I'm still working with her um, and really doing my own healing work. And as I do my own healing work, really bringing that out to the larger community and constantly educating the community um, and showing up in my work. And I think, you know, from coming full circle, what I've realized is that a woman's body is so, so powerful. So powerful. Like a woman's body has so much inner wisdom. And so as we heal, our relationship with food, body shame, exercise, we tap into this greater wisdom. Mm -hmm. And as we tap into this greater wisdom, then we can really find our way and our path and then create something like life-changing and tangible out of it. So that's like full circle where I started, where I am now, but really focusing in on like, how do we let our bodies hold us back? How do we accept our bodies? How do we heal our relationship with body so that we can create change in the world? Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're just like a little wealth of knowledge. I love it. And like you are, you're so inspiring because you're just like a go-getter. Like obviously there's, you know, parts of the story that I'm sure, you know, we, we don't exactly know, but it's, it sounds like you just were like, what's next, what's next, what's next. And just like, going forward, going forward, diving in, diving in. And that is just like really cool. You really didn't let any obstacles get in your way and, and hold you back. You just like, you went for it. Um, I have, I have a question going back to when you were in um, college university and you took that nutrition course. So was it at that moment then that you started to get control yourself over your eating disorder? Like, was it, was it just simply that course that like opened your eyes up or like, how did you go from having this unhealthy relationship with food, whether it was restricting, whether it was binging, I'm assuming you got to a place where that wasn't the case anymore. So how did you, how did you work through that? And what did that process look like? I'm going to assume it wasn't just like, Oh, I get it. And now I have a healthy relationship with food. Like, can you take us through what that, what that sort of looks like? Yeah, totally. Um, And I'm glad that you asked that because there's so much more to it. So I went from being extremely restrictive in high school to binging. Um, 
to the doctors telling me, oh, there's something wrong with you. Like everyone struggles with their weight. Everyone struggles with their body and intuitively knowing this is not right. Like mm-hmm. there, this is not right. I didn't have my period for two years. Right. Um, like something's off here. Did and people, so, sorry, did, did people around you know that you had these, these sort of like unhealthy habits? Like did you, did your family, were they aware that you were restricting or that you were binging or was it something that you hid really well? Honestly, it was something that was celebrated because I was losing weight. I was so good. You know, I was an inspiration. Um, And yeah, and I I mean, I'm sure some people noticed that something was off, but like nobody like enough to think like, oh, this is an eating disorder. And like, I intuitively knew something is not right. which is actually not usually the case. Usually like people that have eating disorders want to hide it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I mean, I was binging and I didn't have willpower and I knew that something was off and I was taking this nutrition class and we learned about eating disorders. And I looked up at the board and I heard the diagnosis for anorexia and I just felt like that's me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, like I had never felt so validated in my life like oh my god like this is exactly what I went through um and there it is an eating disorder and so I almost self-diagnosed myself which is very common and a lot of doctors miss the diagnosis for eating disorders or because we're so good at hiding it and it's so normalized Mm -hmm. in our culture of like you know go on a diet just cut out this food group just do this fast um that you know, it's, it just seems normal. Like, oh, she lost weight. She's so good. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I would say that I started to heal in college, but I definitely was not fully recovered in college. And like, I was taking this nutrition class and I was in a better place. Um, and like, I would, I would have probably told you that I was recovered at that point. Um, but you know, now I'm like, it's like 10 years later, is it? No, not quite 10 years later. But anyway, um, I look back and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so not recovered then. Cause I look at like how many diet analysis projects I did and I was still counting calories and I was going to the gym like six, six days a week. Um, and so much of my life was still about like the food and the exercise, not to the same extreme that it was in high school. But I would definitely still had a lot of disordered eating. And then even in grad school, like it was quote unquote under control. So my weight for the most part was pretty stable. Um, But like, I would still miss Saturday nights because like, I felt like I ate too much and I was worried about like, you know, going to a party and like eating even more and then gaining weight. So I would stay in. Um, I still definitely like had binges and it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta that my environment, my work environment was so toxic that the eating disorder got so out of control where I was binging every single day because Mm -hmm. I was, so many people were projecting their insecurities on me and I'm such an empath. So I would internalize everything and like, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. I'm terrible, all these things. And that became so overwhelming. And so I would binge to numb out. And it was so bad. So I found a coach who did a lot of like mindfulness work with me and like dialectical behavioral, which is more, it's a lot more mindfulness and like working with like the sensations of the binge. Um, And that was helpful, but it still wasn't everything. And it was until I started working with my therapist in Atlanta, who started to introduce the trauma component um, and like the limiting beliefs 
that I really started to heal. And I started to realize that all of these things that people were projecting onto me had nothing to do with me. Mm. And when I stopped internalizing, I really stopped binging because it was no longer about me and I was able to set that boundary. So that helped tremendously. So there was therapy. I mean, there was coaches, there was support groups. I listened to podcasts um, and this is all happening. Like I said, I was 14 when I started restricting and I'm 28 now. Um, so it's like 14 years mm-hmm. that I've kind of been on this journey of figuring things out and healing. And I don't struggle with food anymore but I still struggle with like the imposter syndrome and the self-doubt and the, the burnout and all those things. And I use a lot of the same tools. Like I use a lot of the tools that I use to overcome the eating disorder through like, you know, the negativity that's in my head and like the obstacles that I'll face in my business, which I think is so interesting how, how much overlap there is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is really interesting because you know, I think that so many women have a really unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and they think they're just sort of looking for the thing that's going to work for them, like cutting out something or, um, yeah, like a diet or, but it's all internal. Like it's all why, like, why are you binging? What are the feelings behind that? What's leading to that? What's, What's like the root cause of all of these things. And I don't know if there's anybody who can actually come to those realizations themselves. Like, I think that we need help and we need coaching and we need therapy and we need like some really inner work to actually find that root cause. And until you find that root cause of the restricting or the the binging or like whatever the issue is, until you find the root cause of it, you're never going to actually overcome it. You might, you might find a temporary solution, but it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're always looking for like the diet or like, oh, but if I just lose weight, then I'll be happy. And that's a myth. Um, I'm just going to throw that one out as it's, you know, and, and also like our bodies are different. Like we're not all supposed to look the same. We come Mm -hmm. in different shapes and sizes and like some of us have larger bodies than others and that's okay. Um, And it's, it's really about going to the root, exactly what you said, like going back to the root cause of, you know, and it's usually not enough, not worthy. Um, When we really dig deeper and this is why we work with coaches and therapists to help you see that because we can't see our own blind spots. Um, but, and then when we finally are able to get to the, that root or that core belief, are we able to see how everything's connected and then start to heal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about like body shame? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what does, what does that, what does that mean? I think we hear, like, I feel like right now, you know, on Instagram, sort of everywhere I look, I'm hearing about like diet culture and body shame. And it's like all of these sort of terms being thrown around, but you know, what does, what does body shame exactly mean? And if somebody's like overcoming body shame, what does that look like? That's such a good question. I mean, I think body shame is just like feeling like your body's not good enough. Like it's just, it's not good enough as is, um, which is very common, you know, given the world that we live in. And if you open up magazines is this is what 
like an, a patriarchal perfect body is supposed to look like. And it's usually like white and blonde and thin and, and yet in shape. Um, and, you know, nobody tells us that genetics are a huge factor for our bodies. And so, so body shame would really just be like, like feeling like you're not enough. And so overcoming that is learning to accept your body. And it's not always loving it. Um, you don't have to love every part of your body is it's more so about accepting your body and honoring your body and like what it does for you. Um, and you know, it's a vehicle and your body allows you to experience the world. So it's finding acceptance, finding gratitude. Um, and then as, as I mentioned before, as we start to find that acceptance and gratitude, then can we connect more into intuition and inner wisdom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, for somebody dealing with body shame, it's probably going to go hand in hand with their relationship with food because they are perhaps like looking, going to the food for the, the emotions that they're feeling because of their body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the cycle is typically like, I feel badly about my body. Okay. Like what's the next diet so that I can change my body. So then I feel better about my body. So then we go on some restrictive diet. Um, I don't know. Let's say we're cutting out carbs. So then we, we start cutting out carbs. And so our brain is so brilliant. So our brain is like, uh Oh, she's cutting out carbs scarcity. So it goes into that like scarcity lack mentality of, oh my God, we're going into starvation mode, must conserve. Mm -hmm. So the brain hears she's going to restrict, she's going on a diet, must conserve. It starts firing cravings for a binge, right? It starts firing these cravings of like, all of a sudden, the minute we go on a diet, now we're like, oh my God, I need the brownies, I need the cookies, I need the bagels, I need all the food, all the carbs. So then what happens is, we end up binging, um, however you define binge, eat the carbs, then we feel bad about ourselves. So shame comes in, we feel bad about ourselves. And then we repeat the cycle all over again, like, okay, I need to go on a diet. <laughs> I need to, I'll be better next time. I didn't have enough willpower. And so we repeat the cycle again, not realizing that every single time we tell ourselves that some food is off limits, um, our brain hears scarcity and starts yeah. to fire those cravings. And this was so big when I finally realized this uh, and that this was kind of hijacking why like I couldn't get control over the binges. It, it really um, changed a lot of things for me. And I, I had a coach say to me, so do you like when you're eating late at night, do you tell yourself, I'll just make up for it tomorrow? And I said, oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, your brain is so brilliant. It hears you saying that. And it starts going into this restriction mode. And so after that, I was like, okay, let me just try something different. And instead of saying, I'll make up for this tomorrow, like, okay, it's okay. Um, <laughs> like just kind of accepting, like, and a lot of times we're binging as a form of safety, like food is safety. And, you know, we're in a pandemic right now, which is a global collective trauma. And a lot of us have gained weight. And I see this on Instagram of people freaking out about the pandemic weight gain, but the weight gain is protecting you from something. There's a trigger um, and it's helping you. And so your body is actually in some way that is very much disguised. It's helping you by putting on the weight. And our bodies are so brilliant 
and that a lot of times when we come out of the pandemic, our body will just naturally release any weight that isn't that isn't actually needed because we have this internal set point and our bodies know exactly where they want to be in order to be healthy. Mm. Oh, I just, I find all of this stuff so, so fascinating. So if there was someone listening who feels like they're kind of caught in that circle of like body shame, binging or restricting, and, you know, I'll treat my body better tomorrow, sort of in that whole cycle, what would you say to them? Mm. I mean, I think that the first step is like to just pause and like, just find that, that place of compassion of, you know, just on like noticing the cycle and creating that awareness and then finding like the compassion of like, okay, this binge restrict cycle has helped me in some way. Like it has kept me safe from something. There's a positive intention. So Mm -hmm. honoring that it has protected me and then also honoring that, okay, like now we can break free and now we can really pay attention to what's going on here. So awareness is really the first step. Then we want to start to dig deeper and to kind of take a look at that. And so this is the, a place where a coach or a therapist um, would come in and really help you like understand the cycle, understand what's happening. And then ideally, like we want to introduce more compassion more compassion into like when we use the food, like forgiveness, compassion, um, because that's really how we break it. Mm-hmm. We don't break it by beating ourselves up and going on another diet. We break it with compassion and self-love and acceptance. And that takes time. Like yes. it takes, it takes a lot of time. And I, I loved actually what you talked about today on your Instagram stories. Obviously they're going to be long gone by the time this is aired, <laughs> but you were talking about, um, like how we celebrate, we celebrate ourselves Mm -hmm. when we've lost weight, when we have a baby, when we get a new job, like we're always like, you know, celebrating ourselves and each other, but then there's all these other things that have such a huge impact in our life that we don't celebrate, like, Mm -hmm. um, going to therapy, hiring a coach, like overcoming shame and, um, you know, ending like the restrictive eating, like we don't actually celebrate those things because we, we kind of hide with those things and we don't, it's like, I don't know if it's, if it's shame that we don't want to admit that we're having to get help with certain things. But I, I just think that we need to normalize coaching and therapy and hiring help. And I mean, I have like, I have people for so many areas of my life and, Mm -hmm. and it's not because things are so terrible necessarily. It's because I want to go to the next level in like every single area of my life, you know, my parenting, my business, my marriage, um, you know, personally, it's like, have those people and find those people. And there should be no shame in getting help because overcoming an unhealthy relationship with food probably isn't something that you can do on your own. Like, I really don't think you can. I think you need, you need that help and that support because they are going to see and help you find the thing that you're not able to see inside of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, asking for help and like letting that be a big celebration. Um, It's a big deal. (laughs) 
(laughs) And yeah, we only celebrate certain things like the raise, the promotion, losing weight, having a baby. Um, And there's just so, and first of all, like there's so many steps that go into those bigger accomplishments um, that we forget to recognize, but also like, it's a really big deal to be listening to this podcast Yeah, (laughs) and even like, oh my gosh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like there's this whole binge restrict cycle that that awareness is so big and Mm -hmm. to like honor yourself for, for showing up and, and doing something for you, listening Mm -hmm. to, to a podcast that you might not otherwise be listening to. Like all of those things are, are celebrations and that's what bring us joy. And that's what leads to fulfillment and the fulfillment that we're craving, um, and that we desire. And then the other piece is like, you can't do it alone. And so many of us, we have this belief that's ingrained of, I can do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to get that badge of honor. I can do this by myself. And it, it doesn't work that way. Um, we are not designed to do it all by ourselves. Like we are designed to work as a collective. And even I'm guilty of this. I would try to find that one therapist that could help and address every area of my life. And yeah. then <laughs> finally, I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like, this is not going to work. Um, I, you know, and I had a therapist and then I had coaches, um, and then I had a support group at one point and I had friends that like masterminds, um, you know, and we have different support for different things. And I even had a coach tell me like, Jocelyn, you need a menu of support because, because we can't rely on one person for everything, you know? So I have my people that I'll call for work. I'll have people, you know, that I'll, call for just like a social coffee day. Um, but we are designed to have like communities of support, um, to help us heal. It's not something that you do on your own. And it's also not something that is done overnight Mm -hmm. because it also takes a lot of time and practice and integration. So one of my friends used this analogy, you know, we're, we're talking about like self-help and growth. And like you have a plant and so many of us, we want to just take a watering can and just pour all the water into the plant and then just make it grow. (laughs) And it it doesn't work that way. We pour a little bit in, we give it some sunlight, we let it sit, we let it rest, um, we let it grow a little bit and then we pour a little bit more water in, um, you know, let things integrate, let it grow and, you know, eventually the flower starts blooming. But it, it doesn't happen overnight. We really have to like slow down and like honor the, the progress and the journey and like all the little wins because all the little wins add up to the big win. Yes. Oh my gosh. So well said. Um, is there anything else just kind of as we're wrapping up that you, that we didn't touch on during this episode that you're just like really wanting to just like spill out there that you think is a really important message for the listeners? trust yourself, Mm. um, trust yourself and listen to your body and your, your wisdom will show you what to do and what's next for you. And I I think that's, that's the gem that's coming through me right now. I mean, I'm sure there's a million more things (laughs) that I could say and, but, but trust yourself is what's coming up right now. So perfect. And where can people follow you if they want to learn more, if they want to see what services you have, um, where can they find you and what do you have to offer right now? 
Yeah. So my Instagram is just my name. It's Jocelyn underscore Resnick. Um, I also recently started a podcast called She Illuminates the World. And so the podcast is on Spotify. And I also have an Instagram account for that, which is just at She Illuminates the World. I have a private Facebook group called Embodied Revolution. Um, and then you can just find out more about my programs and private coaching and any master classes or workshops that I'm offering on my website, which is just jocelynresnick.com. So very straightforward. I am going to put all of that in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much for this conversation. This was very, very refreshing and just like really good to sit down with you and talk about this stuff because I think that women need to hear this. Women need to know that if they are struggling with any of what we talked about, that they, they, it's okay to get help. And there's someone out there who can help them. And there are people who have overcome it and they don't need to go through this alone. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.